Hey, this is Ryan Weathers, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and right to my left is Roy. I've got an itch. I'm itching for some Padres baseball. <laughs> Can we please have something to talk about other than the stinking Astro thing? Well, but now we do. So we, we had do. we had Fan Fest. We've had the spring training dates announced. We've got the non-roster invitees. We've got the minor, the minor league staffs. Yeah. So there's plenty to talk about other than you know guys allegedly wearing buzzers taped to their body, according to Carlos Beltran's niece. Alleged niece. I also kind of yeah. like that was a kind of a fun bit though on Twitter with then everyone took pictures, you know, and then put a little circle around it like, ah, oh, know. there's a wrinkle in his shirt. <laughs> yep. Oh, there's Yogi Berra. He was he was wearing a piece. You know, the Josh Reddick had confetti on like his shirt, and they're like, oh, that's the wire. Like, ah, caramba. It's not a good look for baseball. It's not a though. good look for baseball at all. I like it. I like that they got caught. I like that um, they're you know once again once. When you pivot one way, when you catch it, it's like whack-a-mole. You whack one side, something else is going to come up. Someone else is not. You know, there were eight teams I heard that were um, that were uh, cheating. And allegedly. Just, allegedly, right. And that was I heard that once on MLB, and I didn't hear it ever again. Yeah, and so, but, so I don't mean, mean to go down these rabbit holes, but so Mike Fires finally kind of blew the lid off of this, but apparently this is after a couple of years of different reports and allegations and stuff going into the commissioner's office and other officials around baseball that never went anywhere. And it right. wasn't until the whole thing went public that finally, finally something happened. Former pitcher, uh, former Padre pitcher, Ryan Buchter, who now pitches for the Oakland Athletics, was on MLB Network Radio earlier this week and said, like, yeah, we called MLB several times. Mm. Several times, and nothing came of it until someone went public, to went to the press. So now, you know, I, I don't think he's the pariah. Maybe for a lot of fans, he's a pariah because, he, you know, he mentioned it, but it, it had to be done. And if, if the league isn't going to listen to it because they got a good moneymaker in the Houston Astros, someone's going to have to go to the press. Mm-hmm. And if that makes him look like a whistleblower – because he is, so be it. Yeah, and unfortunately, that might wind up with Mike Fires being blackballed because of his peers. Yeah. But if that's what it takes, that's that's what it takes. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But we're here to talk about more positive stuff. Right. We have pitchers and catches reporting in under a month, dude. Yeah. February 13th. The day before Valentine's Day. Um, happy Valentine's Day. I'm going to be keeping my eye on what's going on in Peoria. Sorry, babe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full squads are going to be February 18th. Um, also with that, the Padres announced their non-roster invitees. Yeah, I found this interesting. Okay, so the catchers, we've got Luis Camposano, Webster Rivas, Charlie Valerio. Infielders, Ivan Castillo, Seth Mejias Breen, Owen Miller, uh, Hudson Potts, Esteban Quiroz, and Jason Vossler. Real quick, that looks like there could be, like out of all these non-roster invitees, like though that little group of guys, someone could make the club. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got you've got guys with utility. You've got yeah. switch hitters. You've got, I mean, Esteban Quiroz is, is tearing it up in the Mexican League this year after a good year last year. Um, there's a lot of really good players right there. Uh, outfielders, Abraham Almonte, Michael Geddes, and Taylor Trammell. I think this is Michael Geddes' first invite to Major League Spring Training. Nice. Um, and then pitchers, Pedro Avila, Lake Bacher, Kyle Bearclaw, 
Miguel Diaz, Jared Eikhoff, Mackenzie Gore, Chiwe Hu, Chase Johnson, Reggie Lawson, Evan Miller, Luis Patino, Travis Radke, Darius Valdez, Stephen Steve Wilson, Wilson, and Jimmy Yacobanis. I know so many people. Some of them have a whole bunch of major league experience, yeah. like uh, like Bearclaw. Um, some you've got guys that probably aren't going to have a chance to contribute this year, but at least they're getting the invite. They're, so guys like Patino, he might maybe there's a chance he might come up at the very end of the year. But really, they're here to just kind of whet his appetite and see what the, how he handles himself around big leaguers. But the guy I find most interesting on all this is somebody I'd never heard of before, Charlie Valerio. I'm intrigued by who this guy is. He's a catcher. He was with the Cleveland organization until 2014, and then he disappeared from affiliated ball. So he's been playing in the Independent League. He's been playing in the Dominican Winter League. Uh, last year, he was in the Atlantic League, and he wound up playing on their All-Star game. Um, wow. And he had, a, he had a good, not great year. When you look at the stat lines, it's, it's solid, but it's not like he was tearing the cover off the ball. But I'm just I'm curious. He's he's a, a minor league free agent that they pick up. He hasn't played affiliated ball for years, but then they sign him to a minor league deal and invite him to spring training. They need guys like we talked before. We need guys to catch bullpens. Maybe that's part of it. I wonder if so. The Atlantic League was the league where they experimented with a whole bunch of different rule changes, including the automated strike zone. Yep. So I wonder if they're picking his brain a little bit on that or. Or, or what? Or maybe they really do see some potential here, and he's going to be like the the defensive backup in AAA, and he'd be the guy to get called up if they run short on the forty man. Right, absolutely, because you got Camposano in, you know, in AA. Blake Hunt's probably going to come up with, uh, you know, Michael Cantu. Blake Hunt probably going to be in like Elsinore this year. So yeah, we just need guys, and that's what every year every team does this. Add guys are like, where'd that guy come from? For sure. And occasionally those guys, you know, like your Eric Owens of the world, where they just have a terrific scene, uh, spring and make the club, or if they're not put on the club, they get released and because uh, that's part of their minor league deal, and then they get picked up with another squad. Like here's kind of like everyone figures out what they got, and I think that's when we may even see a trade. I would maybe. Well, there's plenty of time. I mean, yeah. there's there's time between now and spring training, and then while spring training is going on, you got transactions happening. So it's it's definitely interesting to watch. So later on in the episode, we're going to have Ryan Weathers on. Yes. And we just got done talking to him, and that's a fantastic interview. You guys want to stay tuned for that. Yeah, we had a great time talking with him. So the other thing that happened this week, the, the Padres announced their minor league staffs yeah. throughout, the, uh, throughout the organization. So a lot of familiar names here. Manager Edwin Rodriguez returns to like uh, like El Paso. Uh, Pete Zamora comes up from like Elsinore up to the AAA team. Mm-hmm. Remember, he interviewed for the pitching coach job for um, for the Padres, the bullpen coach, the bullpen coach, right? Yeah, that wound up going to Ben Fritz. Yeah, and uh, we're excited for him, friend of the podcast. Hitting coach Morgan Burkhart's going up to El Paso. Uh, fielding coach Lance Burkhart, brother. Uh, will also be there as the third season with El Paso and sixth in the organization. Yeah, this is Morgan's uh, fifth season with the Chihuahuas. Yeah. So we've got the Burkhart brothers. It's like uh, the Bash brothers. Yeah. The Burkhart brothers and, as hitting and fielding coach. And my inability to read. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. We but get you guys know that, right? Um, and then their training staff will be led by athletic trainers Daniel Leha and Dan Turner and strength coach A.J. Russell. Nice. And then we move on to Amarillo. So Philip Wellman is coming back. Well, he's back. This is his fifth season managing the Padres AA squad. And his his 32nd as a coach and his 21st as a minor league manager. Yeah, he doesn't seem that old. I mean, I know he's kind of a grotchety, grumpy guy. But you see him moving around out there. He doesn't look like somebody that's been 
on a baseball field for 40 years. No. And I love, I love Wellman and Sam Levy loves Wellman. And if you listen to like, I was in spring training when we were in spring training last year, you know, I sat and watched a little bit of the double A game and listened to him talk. He's just a ball. He's just a manager. And he's just one of those guys. You need him in double A. And we talk about this all the time. It's like, He's not going to tell you anything that he's not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's going to tell you what you need to do and what needs to happen. And and I think players really respond to that because, you know, the honesty and he's been around forever. I'm surprised because you know, he's he, he lives in Chattanooga. He's in Amarillo. I'm wondering if he just wants to kind of do that, you know, just stay. You know, I'm sure he's had opportunities to, to coach in the in the big leagues. Maybe a little bit of his past might stop him from getting the big league job, but I'm surprised that he hasn't really, uh, you know, he's stuck in minor leagues for so long. Well, the the Padres must take good care of him, um, and he's doing a heck of a job. Hell and yeah. The double-A team seems to, to produce quality results every year. Yeah. So Jimmy Jones will be his pitching coach in Amarillo. It will be his 12th season with the Padres. I believe he pitched for the Padres back in the late 90s. I believe it's that same Jimmy Jones. Okay, Jimmy Jones. Um, and then the hitting coach will be friend of the podcast, Raul Padron, returning for his fifth season with the organization and third with the Padres Double A affiliate. Uh, Freddy Flores is going to be the fielding coach. Um, his second season is fielding coach and fourth with the Padres, previously uh, being here in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. Uh, Sod Poodle's training staff will be led by athletic, le- athletic trainers Elise Kramer and Drew Garner and straight coach sam hoffman i believe elise kramer was in uh fort wayne this last year okay i'm glad i'm not the only one that <laughs> am i am i garbling streth, words streth, streth. um so lake elsinore the manager mike mccoy is coming up from tri-cities yeah it's like their whole coaching staff is yeah. coming up from tri-city yeah you know really uh, I, I think that's a good move i'm excited to talk to him i was looking for him i asked ac at the dunk well game like hey where's mike where's mike he's like oh he's trying to park his car and I never got a chance to see him, but I'm excited to talk to him this next year in uh, in Lake Elsinore. So he finished his playing career with the Padres. Yeah. So I wonder how often they do that, that they sign somebody thinking you know, he's backup veteran depth, but if your playing days are over, you want to stay around and be a coach. Yeah, and it's interesting because some guys, like you would think, yeah, if I had spent a few years in the minor leagues, I'll just stay in, you know, maybe in an organization or find a job somewhere. A lot of guys don't like to do that. A lot of guys are like, okay, I did my best. I need to move on. Because it's such, you know, and you're going to hear about this from, from Ryan. It's like, it's a grind. Oh, yeah. Like, you're away from your families. You're on the road. You're not eating healthy. You know, it's it's a grind. I mean, the, and it's not that they don't have any less passion. It's just only so many people are made for that kind of lifestyle. For sure. And at some point, as a minor league player, you're not getting paid a whole lot. No. So you're trying to support a family and all of this. And so, like, you look at, who is it? Ryan Schimpf is now a, a mortgage advisor. Yeah. And he, I'm sure he's doing much better with that than he would be if he was still trying to scrape out a living playing minor league ball or trying to play overseas or something. Absolutely. And that's and that's a great thing about about being so young when you play baseball. It's like you had this whole other life to, to that you can live. Well, I, but then the flip side of that is that a lot of these guys forego their education because they think I can make it in baseball and have a career. And then they find themselves 28, 29, 30 without any real marketable skills other than I know baseball. Right. That's that's the hard part, especially the guys that came straight out of college or maybe they went to JUCO and they never you know finished their degree. Well, in a little, little side note here, we'll get back to this in a minute. Uh, there's a, there's a, a high school baseball coach where my brother lives in McKenzie. And he uh, he was triple, you know, career minor leaguer. Got a shot at the bigs. He got a cup of coffee. I think he blew out his arm. 
they said they they fixed him up, sent him back to minor leagues. He quit, went right back home. And now he's a you know he's a high school baseball coach in Tennessee. Okay, so you know you can do that as well. Um, former major leaguer Tim Hudson is now the manager for the Auburn Tigers. Oh right, right, right. Did I see Robin Ventura go back to college also maybe this year? Yeah, he is. He's coaching somewhere in college. Yeah, I, I saw his went, name pop up. He went back to get his degree. Okay, because he's like the second assistant coach for for a, and it's his former major league manager. Yeah, yeah. But hitting coach Patrick O'Sullivan also came up from uh, Tri City. So we're still in Lake Elsinore. Yeah, back to Lake Elsinore. Patrick O'Sullivan. You know, we talked to Doug Banks last year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be great to talk to a new guy, fresh blood, fresh perspective. Um, Felipe Blanco, who I never got a chance to talk to last year. Neither one of us did. He's going to be my first interview. I'm going to skip Mike. I'm going to skip Patrick. I'm like, Felipe. Okay. Absolutely. The fielding coach. He's a fielding coach. Because, uh, you know, I noticed being around that team last year, a lot of those guys gravitated towards him. You know, I'm sure a lot of Dominican guys did because of the Spanish, but you saw guys kind of gravitate to him, and the kind of relationship he had with the players was really fun and really oh, playful. And okay. um, and I, I just I want to talk to that guy. Okay. So the Lake Elsinore training staff will be led by athletic trainer Maritza Castro and strength coach Cor- Corey Meisner. Um I find it interesting that there's another woman on the on the staff that yeah. you've got a female um, athletic trainer in Amarillo now, yeah. and another one in Lake Elsinore. Um, we just the Giants just hired the first on field coach, female coach at the major league level. Um, so it's a, we like to t- encourage diversity and all this. Absolutely. So it's great seeing women getting jobs. There's a woman that's going to be a hitting coach in the Yankees organization for yeah. one of their minor league teams. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe she played softball in college, but she understands mechanics. She understands biomechanics. She understands the physics behind the game um, Yeah, and all this. And so here, you know, athletic trainers, there's – so, yeah, she's going to be in the dugout. She's going to be in the clubhouse, but she's a professional. Yeah. So let's just forget about what gender she is, and she's – a gainfully employed person in baseball. Absolutely, and we encourage all we we encourage diversity. If you're if you can teach and you can get your point across to players and even the big league level, hell yeah, I'm all for it. Yep. Regardless of what Aubrey Huff thinks, God, that guy's a tool. <laughs> um, I did notice that Tony Tarasco is no is not on, listed on the Padres yeah. staff on any of these levels. Um, so I know Tony was was generous with his time to you last year. Absolutely. So I'm sure we wish Tony the best in whatever his future endeavors are. Maybe he maybe he will come back in some role with the Padres. Who knows? But he seemed to do a pretty good job with the Storm last year. Yeah, absolutely. So for Fort Wayne, everyone's pretty much coming back. Although you know, Anthony Contreras is back. Uh, Leo Rosales, <clears throat> you're going to hear in our interview that they had four different pitching coaches because Burt Hooten went down with the foot, and uh, probably he's not going to come back. I don't, uh, we don't know. He, he has retired. I saw yeah. I saw okay. somebody stated that he retired. I don't know how verifiable that information is, but and he's 70 years old. He just yeah. came off a hip surgery, so I'm sure he's ready to just hang him up and uh, you know go coach go coach high school ball somewhere or something like that. Right. So Leo Rosales, the first season with the staff and his third with the organization, having coached for the Tri-City, uh, Tri-City in 2019 and the AZL Padres in 2018. So the hitting coach, Jonathan Matthew, third season with Fort Wayne and his fourth with the organization, serving in 2017 as major league coach for the Padres. So I saw, I, I believe major league teams are only allowed to have, I think it's seven uniformed coaches. 
And so the woman that was hired by the Giants, she will be in uniform before the games. So she'll be out there hitting fungos and she's going to throw batting practice. Okay. But she's not one of the seven coaches that'll be actually uniformed during the game. And that includes your bullpen catchers. They're considered part of the coaching staff. Interesting. So I'm curious now that the Padres have expanded their coaching staff so much within associate manager and quality control. Yeah. So how many of those guys are actually going to be like, is Skip Schumacher going to be on the bench or is he just going to be there before games and then he'll be up in the booth when the game's going on? Yeah, that's going to be really the quality control coach. Um, Inquiring minds want to know. It's just going to be interesting. And the Hill associate Ryan Flaherty. That's the quality control coach, I believe. Who was the manager from last Baltimore? Year? No, who's our guy? Huh? Barajas. Barajas. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Barajas is going to mainly be working with the catchers, but right. he's also a quality control guy. I think Flaherty's advanced. Maybe he's the advanced guy. I some some. I think the quality is somewhere in his job title. Yeah. But he's going to have some role in in communicating analytics to the players and also working with the guys before you know. That we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of young young guys that need to figure it out and uh, start looking like a professional baseball team like they care. Absolutely. To round out Fort Wayne, it's uh, Jonathan Meyer, his fifth season in the organization and his first as fielding coach for Fort Wayne. Having served as fielding coach with the AZL Padres last season, AA San Antonio in 17-18, and single A Tri-Cities in 2016. The 10-caps training staff will be led by athletic trainer Nick Coberly and strength coach Ben Loftus. A couple of new guys with the other guys coming, moving up to uh, Amarillo. It's like, the, it's like a different version of the minor league shuffle, the yeah. affiliate shuffle. Which is nice. We like we we like new blood. We like new we like new ideas. Yeah, we like promote new from within and all this. Tri Cities. So let's move on to Tri Cities. Who's going to have you know Vinny Lopez enters his first season as managers for the Dust Devils, having managed the club's rookie level affiliate in Peoria the last two seasons, and having served as hitting coach for Fort Wayne in 2016 and AZL Padres in 2017. So my favorite name on this list is the pitching coach for Tri City, Gorman Heimuller. That, that's that's a great name. Uh, previously held the title of roving pitching instructor. That's fantastic. He, I, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to investigate that guy. See where uh, see what his credentials are. But moving on, <laughs> moving on to the hitting coach Raul Gonzalez, first season as hitting coach with the Dust Devils and his fourth with the organization, serving as hitting coach for the AZL Padres from 2017 to 2019, and fielding coach uh, Luis Menendez Mendez, his first season with Tri Cities coaching course. And the training staff for Tri-Cities is going to be David Bryan and strength coach Justin Saylor. So stepping down to AZL, uh, we have two teams. Um, and I know the press release kind of broke them out, AZL 1, AZL 2. Yeah. But managing the two AZL teams will be Aaron Levin and Oscar Salazar. Salazar begins his first season at the helm, previously serving as hitting coach for Tri-City from 2017 to 19. Um, and Aaron Levin enters his fourth season with the Padres after spending 2016 managing the Padres Dominican Summer League Club and nice. serving as hitting coach for Fort Wayne in 2016 and AZL Padres in 2017. So I find that uh, I'd like to know some of these guys' backgrounds because Aaron Levin, that, that is a white dude name. That's not a, right. a, a, a person of you know, a Latin-born player's name. So did he go down there, learn Spanish? How, what was that transition like for him? And then he can bring that experience back. So because at AZL, you've got foreign players that it's their first time on, on U.S. US soil. soil. So it's a whole culture shock and the, and the communication barrier and all of that stuff. 
Uh, so the pitching coaches will be John Halama and Christian Wonders. That's another fantastic name right there, Christian Wonders. Christian Wonders. Well, I'm more interested in John Halama, former Major League pitcher. Oh, yeah, pitched for the Mariners for years. Yeah. So they will be the pitching coaches for AZL 1 and 2. Um, hitting coaches, Jed Morris, resort, returns to the Padres uh, for his second full season as hitting coach after serving as the head baseball coach for Eastern University from 2012 to 18. And Doug Banks enters the post of hitting coach for AZL Padres 2 after spending 2018 and 19 with the Storm in 2017 with Fort cool Wayne. And you interviewed Doug Banks yeah. last season. Yeah. You have to look back in the episode. He's really cool. A lot of great information. I asked a lot of questions about players from Gable areas to Fernando Tatis to, um, you know, uh, Nellis. It's a really good interview. So I wonder how that is. He was working at the affiliates for a few years, and now he's going to be back in AZL. You can't see that as a demotion. Um, no, so but- I, I wonder how that works because he's going to have opportunities to work with guys who are rehabbing or people that are coming and going from the organization. Like, is it more of an expanded role? Yeah, well, I would think that you you want to put people in places where they're going to be more successful, where there's added value. So he was Doug, he was the hitting coach back there a few years back, and so maybe that's the case. Maybe they find that he's. Uh, you know, we don't know anything about the personal life, but maybe there's something that, you know, he adds that value with brand new guys. Maybe he can reach them a little bit better than your more advanced hitters in high maybe. A. But the, the guys in high A did a pretty good job. Gabriel Arias took a step forward. Hell yeah. Luis Camposano went off. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, Tiraso Anella struggled. Jason Rosario didn't quite take the step that we're hoping to see out of him. Yeah. So how much of that do you, do you attribute to the hitting coach? I, I don't know. Um, so fielding coach, uh, Johnny Carvajal returns for his fifth season with the Padres organization, having coached for Fort Wayne from 2017 to 19. Um, and coach Sung Hyun Hong returns for his third season with the organization. And he is the master of the bat flip. Well, I was going to say he's the bat flip. <laughs> he's the bat flip coach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be. I, I really hope we start seeing some of that yeah. at the big league level. Right. <laughs> so the rehab pitching coach, Kurt Young, will serve as the AZL Padres rehab pitching coach. Yeah, you know what the <clears> best the best bat flip of the whole season last year was Ian Kinsler. When he did the double bird afterwards, okay, he hit the home run and he turned around and had this whole nonchalant look back to the dugout and just like gave his bat this little flip. And that was the best bat flip yeah. of the year from the least likely person you would expect to do it. That none like, this is what I do. Yeah. Boom, but then 30, the 30 seconds later, he does the thing that we remember him all by. Yeah, that's, that was rough. That's, that's rough for him. For, so let's go down to the DSL. Uh, manager Miguel uh, Del Castillo, pitching coach uh, Jackson Quisada, and Nelson Cruz, no relation. Uh, both win their ninth and tenth seasons, respectively, with the organization. Hitting coach Yurniel Garcia and coaches Edison Rincon. Former former Padres and John Aldo Pozo, John Aldo, Gerardo Pozo with Wilfrey de la Cruz. Very good. The DSL Padres training staff will be led by athletic trainer Eva Marie Balderas, assistant athletic trainer Jairo Garcia, and strength and conditioning coach Austin Harris, and assistant strength and tra- conditioning coach Juan Salgado. And the guy Austin Harris, like yeah, absolutely. Where where does he come from? Well, yeah. So send him down there to get some seasoning and some culture, and you know, learn where these these guys are coming from. All right. Well, hey, before we bring on Ryan Weathers, I want to tell you about my friend Dr. Travis Ellers, certified sports chiropractic physician, fourteen years in the business. You know, I just saw him a few weeks back. He fixed me up. My back still feels great, even though now I'm working out a lot more. I'll probably come see him soon. We're probably going to have him on. 
do a little 15 minute segment here in the future so what kind of what kind of um therapy stuff does he do does he do the where he puts the electrodes on you and stimulates yeah, your muscles he, he uses the stems he uh he adjusts the back uh he'll give you um he'll give you some strengthening you know for for like rehab kind of stuff he'll give you some strengthening uh exercises to do and some general just maintenance ideas on how to keep your spine in in a healthy a healthy spine that <laughs> kind of ran out of a thought there. Um, but he specializes in sports injuries and prevention. He works with high school, college level, uh, several local pro athletes, uh, including athletes at the U.S. Olympic Center in Chula Vista. He goes to the NFL Combine every year. He'll fix you up. He fixed me up. Give him a call. You're right there off Miramar Road in Right there off Miramar Road. I got. I couldn't remember the name of the street, but it's right there. Uh, 844-627-4763 or go to drtravisehelers.com. That's D-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-E-H-L-E-R-S.com. And that's Activity Road off of Miramar. And we'll be right back with Ryan Weathers. Ryan. Ryan Withers was seventh overall pick in the 2018 draft out of Laredo High School in Laredo, Tennessee. In 2019, he spent his first full season in Fort Wayne, where the Padres' seventh-ranked prospect dominated his first six starts to the tune of 34 strikeouts in 26 innings. May saw his first challenge in his pro career with a two-week stint on the injured list. With a dip in velocity due to general fatigue, but healthy, the son of former Major Leaguer David Weathers relied on the location of his fastball, his slider, and his changeup to keep hitters off balance. And he did to the tune of 90 strikeouts in 96 innings with a 3.84 ERA and a 1.79 whip. And we welcome Ryan to the show. Welcome to Fresno Farm, Ryan. No, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. You know, I, before... You know, yesterday I've been putting the notes together, and uh, I, I I wanted to have a more positive uh, talk about the Tennessee Titans, and we can do that, but damn, what a tough loss yesterday, huh? Uh, it was a heartbreaker. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, though, he had to stop one MVP last week. Man, it'd be tough to stop two MVPs at home in two weeks, but he just, uh, the little 27-yard scamper at the end of the first half just sunk our ship. You know, and that's about what I, I watched that last drive, and I'm like, because I, I don't follow football, I don't really watch football, but I've been hearing on Twitter, Mahomes, 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 I'm like, who is this guy? And then I saw that last drive, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's why everyone's on this guy. You but, know, he played baseball in high school. Yeah. I wonder if he would have been a better it, baseball. It was, it was it was hard to go against him because you know Jose Cazada and Grant Little, Texas Tech boys. So it was it was hard to go against him, but you know I had to support the hometown Titans. So <laughs> nice. So that's a good question. So, do you follow? You're, you're you were a Vandy commit. Do you uh, you know your college? Do you follow all things Commodore, or do you you're a little south there? Do you have a, a f- football team, a college football team, a pro team? Um. So I do. I follow Vanderbilt baseball. I know most of the guys that are there. Uh, official visit and everything. But my favorite college team is Alabama. I'm at a I'm at a weird spot. You are in a weird I'm spot. About, I'm about 10 minutes from the Alabama state line. So usually anywhere around here, you either have Tennessee or Alabama fans. And I cannot stand the Tennessee Vols, so I had to go for Alabama. Nice. How about baseball? Did you have a team growing up, or was it whatever team your dad was on? Uh, It kills me to say it. But my favorite team growing up was the Dodgers. Oh, uh, Dodgers man. Blue. That was my team growing up. And then, obviously, any team that my dad played for, the Dodgers, something about them. But, you know, if it gets to the point, you know, 
where I have to kick their tail one day, I'll just have to do it and we'll get over <laughs> it. So. Yeah, so uh, last year, Eric Lauer said something along the lines of, well, they're the Dodgers, man. Nobody likes the Dodgers. Right. And all of the Padres fans all of a sudden went, oh, my God, that's our guy. So when that day comes, you know, make sure you say a little something like that and you will endear yourselves, you know, regardless of your past fandom. You know, say something like all that right, and all right, you'll we'll have a do. bunch of fans. Well, and you know Joey Cantillo we'll is a big Dodger fan too, yeah? Oh, oh, that's Clayton Kershaw Jr. Yeah, yeah. So you grew up hanging out around clubhouses and goofing around on the field before games around major leaguers, right? Mm-hmm. So did you get a chance to like take batting practice off a bunch of like off of coaches and stuff like that? Or Oh, yeah. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds were awesome with everything. They let me come to the field whenever I wanted. I could stay in the locker room during the games. I could come out in the dugout during the games. Uh, they were awesome to me. Uh, Dusty Baker was the manager whenever my dad was there. So me and his son would always do whatever. And then there was a bunch of kids that were always there. But probably the coolest thing about that whole deal, but my dad would throw BP to me every day. Even with his arm hurting, he'd still throw BP to me. But uh, the co- coolest thing about the whole Reds deal was that was when Griffey Jr. was there. Oh yeah, and Junior. got to and I'm me and uh, Trey Griffey, his son. We always would hang out and stuff. He was, I think he's six or seven, or he's, gosh, he's older than me, maybe five or six years. But uh, that was always fun being around him. But all those guys with the Reds, they were awesome to all of us. As, lo- as long as we stayed in our lane and didn't get onto them, they were good with everything. So, <laughs> so Dusty Baker's kid is he about the same age as you? He's a year older year older than me. I think he's playing at uh, Cal University of Cal. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. I remember seeing something about him because he out of the Sacramento area. I want to say, uh, mm-hmm. what makes what comes to mind to me, obviously being a little older, is that I think it was 2004 World Series where his son was out there right by home plate. I think it was JT Snow JT that came Snow in and like him. picked him up <clears throat> because the next guy was coming right down the barrel. That was a scary moment, but that's you know. That's Dusty Baker's kid. That's what puts him on the map, I guess. Right. He needs to he needs to make a different reputation than that because that's yeah. the only thing anybody knows him <laughs> for. So you're you're a baller. So you like playing basketball, right? Obviously. So so who's your basketball team? Ooh, basketball team. No, I don't watch the NBA a whole lot. I think the NBA is rigged, personally. Oh, but, yeah. okay. um, you know what? That, that's that's not uh, you're not uncommon with that. Team. But college, college. Uh, Blue Blood team, got to go with Duke. Duke. Me and my my mom are huge Duke fans. Um, I I just like watching college basketball. It's more interesting. They get after it. There's defense, offense is both being played, not just offense. It's just fun to watch good atmospheres. We're pretty excited about college basketball in this city because San Diego State is the only undefeated team left in the nation. (laughs) They came out out ranked fifth. Third today third yeah third. yeah they were seventh they jumped up to third i was surprised they jumped up that far because they haven't really i mean they look at who else the, they've the strength played. of schedule is a little yeah. bit of a question with those guys yeah so i look back at your high school stats and your high school stats are ridiculous so i'm gonna run down real quick your junior year you were eight no um i what i was seeing it said 0.14 earned run average 111 strikeouts and 49 innings with a save the math doesn't add up i tried to figure it out that era's <laughs> Some, something's missing. And then your senior year, you went 10-0 and with a .09 ERA, struck out 148 batters in 76 innings pitched. So I tried to math that out, and that's less than one earned run all year. So what did you have, like, one earned run all you all season, each of those two I years? I did. I did. 
Do you still have nightmares about that one run scoring that kept you from having a zero ERA? No, I actually don't. Uh, no, that, that was when baseball was a little bit easier than it is now. But, uh, you know, it, I, I do. I miss high school ball just because I miss seeing double-digit strikeout games every <laughs> once in a while. Because now if I get eight, I'm like, let's go. That's a good day. But, uh, yeah, it was – it was a it was a crazy ride. Uh, whenever they went over my stats and everything, I, I honestly couldn't even believe it. I was like, "That's because I, I, I don't keep up with anything." And they started reading them off. I was like, "Wow, that's a I wonder what people will say about that one." Well, and you were putting up good lines at the plate too. So you you still like to hit? Uh, I do. Uh, it's going to be interesting uh, whenever spring training rolls around with the bat in my hands a little bit. Um. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to them to give me the bunt sign. Had to put down 95 down the line. So we'll, we'll see how. A couple. We'll years, see how that goes. I was at spring training and I saw what was it? Morahone, Baez, and Reggie Lawson. I think were doing a a, a bunt, bunt drill. drill. They had this like they had a game that they were playing. It was pretty interesting watching those guys work on and getting excited, like talking tr- talking smack about bunting. But I I had on here that you uh, your senior year what you hit 434 with great. five home runs, a 559 on base percentage. I and mean, that's crazy. So I'm I'm excited to see you on the back lots swinging a lumber a little bit at Fort we'll Wayne. See. Did they let you take batting practice at Fort Wayne? Uh, no, because um, it's two levels away. They didn't. I don't know. They just didn't want to make sure we didn't bust our hands up. Because whenever I hit, so I we hit in strokes. We hit BP and in strokes a few times actually. Well, that first time I hit BP, that was the first time I had a bat in my hand in about two years, and I got absolutely my bat shattered on an inside pitch. Oh, man. During BP, so I was like, oh, God, I've lost all touch at the plate. We're going to see how this goes. That, did you ever swing a wood bat when you before you're going pro? Uh, summer ball. Summer ball was always – I played for the Dewan Dodgers out of Memphis, and I think every tournament we played in was wood bat because we'd always play – I know from – 14 years old we were playing in 18 new tournaments so we were always playing with wood bats so from a pitcher standpoint do you i not that i don't know that you can change your approach much but is there a difference in pitching to somebody with a aluminum bat versus a wood bat um honestly there's more of a sweet spot on the wood bat than there is the aluminum bat uh i don't know about college but i know in high, high school it was I don't know. There's a lot of dead spots on those BB core bats, so you could figure out like off the end of the bat. I think a wood bat goes a little further than the BB core. Yeah, did you see his stats? No one touched the ball with the bat with this that's, guy. That's true. That's a good point. Right. Well, my, my question is, um, with, with the hitting. So when you get to Lake Elsinore, there's gonna you're gonna be able to hit. Um, at least last year, Tony, uh, Coach Tarasco let those guys hit uh, cage, you know, hitting the cage. And I think occasionally they do get a hit. What was the rule? A. I think they, I think he let the pitchers hit after they threw a shutout the previous the day before. I think that was what the rule was. See, we were supposed to have that in Fort Wayne, and we had, I think, at the beginning of the year in two series, we had like three shutouts or something like that, and we never got to hit BP <laughs> one time during the season. Oh man, we're gonna have to talk to. AC so we, about we knew, that. we knew, we knew, we knew after that we were like, yeah, we're probably not gonna get to have BPs for the whole year. Man. We, me and uh, me and Gabe Moser, we were roommates, so we would occasionally – we didn't have anything going on. We might get to the field early and sneak a wood bat out of somebody's locker and go hit in the cage a little bit. But Dude, that's it. We had Gabe on the podcast. They've got nice cages there yeah. in, in Fort Wayne. They're right there at the concourse, so you can stand there and watch the guys doing their thing. It's pretty cool. 
So, okay, so you were the 2018 Gatorade National Baseball Player of the Year. Um, I hear there's a good story about how you were told that you had won the uh, the, the prize. So we were on – so we were me and my friends, we were coming back from somewhere, and they told me that I had to go to our school library to do pictures or something, which I was already like, why are they wanting pictures? Like, this makes no sense. So I'm taking pictures or whatever, and they tell me that my truck's being towed. And I was like, well, <laughs> so I was like, I know for sure I was in a parking spot. And so I just, we had just graduated. So I still had my little Loretta high school, like sticker where I could park in the parking lot. So I was like, huh. I was like, well, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to pay the guy <laughs> to not tow it. And so I came out there and my dad came out from behind the tow truck or whatever with the trophy. And it was a, I didn't cry, but it, it brought me close to in tears seeing that. Just all the time that me and him had put in and it being shown that a kid from a school of 450 students can do this than really anybody can. That's awesome. That's, that's a good testament. That's really got to kind of fill you up with, with pride. Absolutely. And your dad, too. Do, and so do you, do, do you and your dad have that kind of relationship where, like, yeah, he's your father and, you know, you get discipline from him. But does he, like, when it comes to baseball, does he fool around like that? Like, you know, you're getting towed and he's, like, you know, putting, <laughs> up the, uh, you know, putting up the trophy. Or is that the kind of relationship you guys have with Oh, yeah, we have an awesome relationship. Uh, I've been, me and him have been partners in crime since I've been able to talk since whenever I can remember. Uh, I still call him before every game, call him after every game, and he's always there for me. So it's a pretty good relationship. I'm blessed to have it. Does he help you through, like, is it more like the psychological stuff? Do you talk mechanics with him? Do you talk approach on how you're going to, like, attack the hitters you're going to see tomorrow or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, if I have a scouting report, usually we'll talk about that. But uh, he helps me the most is probably the mental side of baseball. That's, as a pitcher, that's – obviously number one most important if you don't have it mentally then you can get you can get to the big leagues on stuff but if you have the mental side of it and you have stuff then the sky's the limit so he just preps me on the biggest thing was failure but you know and up until that first little stint i had on the injured list i'd really really never had adversity so i really had no clue how to even cope with it. And uh, I let it get the best of me for a solid month of the year, just to the point where I was like, dude, baseball sucks. <laughs> and, but him just constantly in my ear, you know, every baseball player goes through it every year, just keep going. You know, that helped me get through the season a lot easier. So, so you were struggling on the mound at the same time you're in Fort Wayne and it's super cold there. Ah. So I can I can yeah, imagine brutal. how that all kind of adds up. How did the how did the temperature affect you there? I know opening opening night it wasn't that bad just because me and their pitcher it was just quick quick inning after quick inning. But the second game that I, my second start it, we had Dayton at home and it was on one of those kid the kids get out of school day so it was eleven a.m. game and it was just bitter cold. We had a quick top we had a quick top of the first. And I think their pitcher had a long bottom of the first, and my body was absolutely freezing cold in the dugout. And I couldn't get to the heater because all the position players were warming up their bats or warming up their hands, so I couldn't get to the heater. And uh, But that cold, man, it's just – I've pitched in cold here, 
that Midwest cold, it's just different. It's just brutal. <laughs> it's, it, it is. It's relentless. So one of your teammates there was Lee Solomon. He grew up in Ohio. It sounds like he's pretty used to uh, to cold temperature. I don't know. Because, see, Lee went to college at Lipscomb University, which is an hour 15 from me. Okay. So... He prided himself like I was he, wearing no he, jersey. He was, oh yeah, he he had long sleeves on. He always <laughs> had long sleeves on. So we were given some false information from Lee playing tough guy. That's classic. And Emily Walden, who uh, who follows you guys over there in in Fort Wayne, uh, would would raz him with about the cold weather and him being so tough about that. So yeah, I, she's from Detroit. Yeah, so we might have to go back to that. But let's start with the draft. Um, did you pay attention to any of the pre-draft stuff? Like where you were going to go, or who you were going to go with? or Honestly, it was just like I knew be, me being from a small town and like I am at the lowest division in Tennessee. Uh didn't really pay attention to it because I always knew that somebody would be saying something about that. And... um. There was, I, I knew that there, I tried my best to stay off social media and all that stuff just because at that point in time, like I just wanted to focus on doing my job and not letting other people dictate what they think I should do and stuff like that. So I tried my best to stay out of it, but then draft day came about and kind of had an idea with all the phone calls, but I thought, I really thought that I was going to pick behind to the Braves. Uh, we, there was a lot of, I've never been draft day was crazy. It's one of the craziest days of my life. And, uh, it was just like the Padres just, they just picked me and we didn't really have a pre-draft deal or anything, but, uh, you know, it turned out really well and, you know, I'm glad to be a part of the organization. So talk about that draft day. Uh, what kind of spread did you guys have? I don't, I don't even think I ate that day. I was so nervous. <laughs> but uh, I know we had – I think the whole city of Loretta, Tennessee, was over at our house. Um, we had a, all my friends, family, anybody that pretty much knew at Loretta was there. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I think we just had finger foods or whatever. But like I said, I just was <laughs> sipping on water. I was sipping on water all day, biting my nails. So, So then when your name gets called, did everybody go crazy? When that name getting called, man, just going back to that every day, it just gives me chills. Uh, I just remembered I saw my mom and I grabbed her and gave her a hug and kept my head on her shoulder for a little bit because I had a couple tears flowing. So I was trying not to let everybody see tears going out of my eyes. But uh, I don't know. It's just it's one thing I wish I could go back and experience again. Just the chill, the chills that just went through your body when the commissioner says your name. It's just it's unreal. Well, that's got to be a treat. I mean – you got picked on the first day when the commissioner is announcing all of that versus day two, day three, when it's a conference call and it's, it's well, a little different. Well, and Gabe Moser, who, uh, whose buddy he went to college with said, Hey, hey I'm going to get picked. You know, have, turn on, turn on the draft. And so Moser's on the draft waiting for his buddy to get picked. And then he hears his name. <laughs> oh, it's his, uh, buddy, uh, Cass Gladfelter. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. <clears throat> that's it. That's a good name. Cash. Right. <laughs> so, so let's move on. Uh, you know, what was the biggest shock of your? You know, what was the biggest shock of your first pro season? There, the first full pro season that is. Just honestly, the constant everyday grind. Like it's just, I don't know. My dad tried to prep me for it, 
until I experienced it, it now it just gives me props to him for doing that for so long. Like it is, it's a, it's a long season and that, and just failure having, you have to handle failure right. at all costs. When crap hits the fan, just, it happens. It's baseball, move on to your next start, forget about the last start. And even if you do good, forget about the last start. It's history. So, so the, the grind that you talk about, were there parts of the season where you realized that like you weren't as mentally engaged, you kind of, I don't want to say mailing it in, but you weren't quite as dedicated as you think you could have been? Uh, month of June, that was by far my worst month, bar none, worst month I've ever pitched in baseball. Uh, that was when I had been getting hit around a little bit. And like I said, like I just have never really truly experienced that before where they're hitting absolute shells off me to the wall. <laughs> and just, I don't know, just having to – it just wasn't okay with me that that was going on. And I don't know. I just really just never sat back and told myself like it's baseball. It happens. But a uh, biggest piece of advice I had was, um, I think it was Cody Tyler, me and him, we roomed a little bit on the road whenever Gabe got moved up. So we roomed on the road a little bit and he told me, he's like, whatever stuff you have that day, if it's 86, 87 pitch with it, that's pitch with that stuff, work the corners, pitch with it. And, I don't know, ever since me and him had that conversation, things started to turn around a little bit. Yeah, because after you lost a little bit of velocity, you still remained effective throughout the remainder of the season. It's like you 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 grinded through it. Um, so what what was the the deal with that? You were pitching, you were you were sitting in like low, like mid nineties, low to mid nineties, and then um you you seemed to have a little bit of a rough patch. You went on the DL for a couple weeks and then you came back and there was never any report of any like any any actual injury so just explain to us what what happened and kind of how you worked your way through that so it was uh, personally i think it was just from where you're just not used to that cold and just pitching in it day in day out but uh i felt my arm a little bit and my it was my best start of the year against bowling green at home but it was a little warm that day so that on my arm it just heated up and it just wasn't a problem we were in south bend we got snowed out the day before uh-huh. And we had a we had a double header the next day, and I had the first game, and I was trying to get going, and it was just like it, I couldn't get going. And I went out there and pitched, you know, tried to tough it out. I knew it wasn't anything wrong with my arm. I had the same problem. When I was a sophomore in high school, so I knew nothing was structurally wrong with my arm. So you know, I was raised in an old school household. You're pitching, you can't make the club in the tub. So I was, I just kept trying. I just. So I just kept trying. I, That's going to have to I go just, on a t-shirt I, somewhere. <laughs> and uh, so I just kept trying to pitch through it. And uh, I think uh, Sesto was there. And, you know, obviously it was just, I knew I was throwing way down than what I was used to. My stuff just wasn't there. You, you say and I was Sesto. Just to, That's Ben Sestanovich, Director of Player Development. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Yes. And so I, I knew something was wrong. I saw him whenever I was walking off, I saw him right by the dugout and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm probably done now. But, uh, just kept trying to pitch through and it wound up, they labeled it as dead arm. I really don't even know what you would label it. Um, I honestly have no clue. I don't even know anything, but just pretty much, they gave me a few days off from throwing. They let me go to Arizona, get out of the cold for a little bit. And then I came back. I was ready. I personally, I was ready to go probably a week after, not even a week, four days after it. And, you know, they just wanted to slowly bring me back into the swing of things. And I don't know. I think that little time off just helped it a lot. 
Absolutely. Just get some Arizona sunshine. So that's a good question is what, so then with a lower velocity, how do you attack hitters different? Just keep it at the knees, keep it at the knees, work the corners. Uh, then your second best weapon turns to your changeup. Now you're where from where you're usually sitting comfortably 92, 93. Now you're at 88, 87, 89. That changeup better be below the knees and just pitch to contact. You're not going to blow, you're not going to fool anybody. You just have to hit your spots. And I learned that the hard way. And you know, whenever I finally figured out whatever my stuff was for that day, then that's just how I had to operate from there. So throughout the rest of the season, was that were you sitting about at the same kind of velocity or did it slowly come back as the year went by? Uh, Arm slowly got stronger as the year went on. I had to get over a little bit of mental like in there. Like I've just never had arm trouble before, really. So there was there was the mental aspect of that was just worried like what just the what if question. Right. Whereas I should have just went out there and just pitched and pretty much what my dad tells me throw till she blows. It's it's just, if it happens it happens, and worst comes to worst you're gonna have twelve to sixteen months of uh, rehab and then you're gonna come back throwing harder. So just have fun, go out there and pitch, and then it got to about July and I'm finally just got over the mental side of it and then it slowly started getting to where i was back to 90 one outing 91 92 and then i think my next to last outing i popped some 94s maybe 195 so progressively as the season went on i felt stronger at the end of the year than i did in the middle of the year yeah and that shows in the line in the line scores real quick what was that again you can't rub from the tub we can't do what you can't make the club from the tub. You can't make the club from the tub. That That's is good. As we saw you here at the Don Welke Classic. You pitched in front of all of us, and and I remember you were you were sitting in the low to mid nineties, and it looked like the kind of velocity and the stuff that you had to start the season. So it was it was good to see that you'd come out of all of that. You come out clean on the other side. Yeah, a lot of it was too. Is I can't tell you how long I watched film trying to figure out what the what was the problem because I was getting absolutely rocked for the month of June. It was just they were on every pitch, and I am, I'm low three quarters, but my hand placement on the ball was kind of sideways. It wasn't on top of it. Okay. So my fastball, usually it has that – when I'm on top of it, it has that high spin rate, so it gives that little rise in action. Well, I was on the side of it, so it was just getting to the plate and just fading and dying. And that just made it to where my slider, I was pretty much just swinging it. That was in the middle of the year. My slider was like 84, 85, and I want it in like the 80 to 81 range for my good one. And I was just pretty much just slinging the ball to the plate instead of getting on top of it and getting downhill action. So you weren't hearing like trash can thumps coming from the other dugout? Right. No, I didn't, hear, I didn't hear any trash can thumps. So one thing that – I don't mean to go down that road, but tipping pitches is something that some teams have become really good at. Is that something that you've worked on, on, on how to disguise what you're doing um, so that you're consistent? Um, well, I, I just know if there's a man on second and they start relaying signs and it's a couple in a row, just the old school in me is that hitter's probably about to eat one. Yeah. And, but just tr the most important thing is you have when you're out there on the mound you have 30 sets of eyes on you yep. they're looking for any subtle movement that you're doing to change pitches so just pretty much in between starts just prep work on working on every time you come set the same way every time 
every time you're in the windup, your hand placement where your glove is, same thing every time. But if you just do that, then I know at least on the minor leagues, I think you should be good to go. But yeah, that, that Astros deal is it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Will. So you were working with a pretty bright guy behind the plate in Blake Hunt. Uh, we interviewed him last offseason. We were pretty blown away by the attention to detail that he has. Uh, was he pretty helpful with you as far as coming up with game plans and, and working on things between starts? Oh, yeah. Um, especially bullpens. He, would, he, he was pretty much like my catcher 24-7. The only time he didn't catch me was at that little stint at the end of the year when he was hurt a little bit. But other than that, he caught me every time I threw off a mound. He was my catcher. And you could tell, like, as the year went on, my and his relationship and, like, how he called my pitches, like, it grew every game. Like, he understood how I wanted to pitch. And, you know, he is, I could tell just from, like, I met him in last year's instructs going to this year, like, his maturity and his mindset, like, it was – advanced for how old he is like it was it made you feel comfortable behind the plate knowing that you don't have to shake off pitches because of the pitcher when you're having to shake pitches you and your catcher are not on the same page at all if you have to do it multiple <laughs> times. so just knowing that like maybe one time a game that we might have one shake or two shake like i don't know and then it got towards the end of the year i don't think i my last four starts i shook him at all so he just understood how my pitches played, how they played to each batter, swing pass. Like he just understood all that. That's a that's a huge thing, and he's a solid dude too. He's just he's just really. Oh nice. yeah, he's a good dude. So who did you room with while you were in Fort Wayne? You you mentioned Cody Tyler and so, Gabe. So Gabe got moved up. I think he got moved up on the fourth of July. Me and Gabe roomed together from April until. July 4th, and then, shoot, from there, I think I had four different roommates. I think I had I had Luke Becker, C.J. Abrams, right. um, Andrew Dean, and I think that might be it. And then on the road, I roomed with Cody Tyler, and then I think for the rest of the year, I roomed with Michael Curry. Any any good stories about any of them? Does is is anybody like super messy? Does right. anybody like weird music? They fart or something? You know, it's just like are they bad. No, uh, I mean when 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 you get when you get now we all I play I know I play Fortnite. They, my roommates probably get on they get um, I get on their nerves, but I play Fortnite twenty four seven if I'm at the apartment or something. <laughs> but um, don't stream. No, that when, stuff. when you're when don't you're stream it. when you're when you're in the apartment. That whole farting situation, you're it's fair game. Like it's it's like you don't have to apologize. I mean, it'd be nothing for me to walk by like it'd be nothing for me to walk by Blake or Gabe or Joey and just rip one right in their face. It and like just keep and just, and just keep walk and just keep walking like it never happened. Oh man. But uh You know, and, and so let's talk about that. Did you lean on those guys and some of those down, you know, some of those dark times of the last season? You know, did you lean on a lot of your uh, your roommates and your fellow players, um, and the coaches, and the coaches with with your mindset? Just like, hey, were you able to open up to those guys? Because that's one of the things we constantly hear about. You know, particularly in in the you know in the early stages of a career, like those relationships that you build with your fellow players that it's huge because you can bounce your you know your mindset, your your perception uh, off each other, and it kind of it makes it a little bit lighter. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, having first off, just having Blake your catcher as your roommate, one of your roommates, like that was huge. Oh uh, yeah, I, I did lean on them. Uh, 
it was it was just a rough patch and you know what happened is is i've been like just talking talking and like the biggest thing that i was doing is like when you get done with the game you leave the game at the field don't bring it off the field and what happened in the month of june is i was bringing the game off the field and it just kind of just affected everything i was doing like all i could think about was baseball because at the end of the day baseball is just something i do it's not it's not who i am so like it's just a job like you're just not doing good at your job right now but there's no sense in beating yourself up over it when you can go the next day and have a good work day and be prepared for the next start you know i i play in a rec league and i'll go over three and i'll come into work the next day you're fired you're fired clock out you're done and i feel better it's like i bring my game into my work. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into that um so what do you do uh away from baseball uh to kind of get you know what do you do from away from baseball? well, well apparently he plays Fortnite 24 yeah. 7 Play for it. I play a lot of golf. Golf is a very good stress reliever with baseball, and I don't have to hit right now, so it's not going to affect my swing. I don't think it would affect <laughs> if I was hitting. Uh, go to the movies, just pretty much anything you can do outside of baseball. Just try to stay away from the field because yeah. uh, you're at the field all the time. So anything you can do to get away from the field for a day or so, like it's always awesome. So did your teammates, were they like trying to get you to, come on, let's go do something, trying to get your mind on something else other than just dwelling on what happened at the field? I think it usually we just, I think honestly, just for me to let out, we just all start making fun of each other and just start laughing. <laughs> that but, helps. It, it, it well, does. I mean, they knew sometimes like me and Gabe in our apartment, like you couldn't trash talk us. Like we were quick witted. So if you had something to say, it was right back at you. And I think we would stir Blake up. We could get him stirred up like that. We would just say one thing, and he'd just go, oh, really, really? And we, it would just be – we would be living rent-free in his head for, like, the rest of the week. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <coughs> okay, so what kind of stuff did you pick up from last year that you're trying to work on coming into next year, whether it's on the field or off the field, mental, whatever? Uh, first one is time management. Uh have to you have to get your sleep no at all costs you have to get eight hours of sleep sleep is one of the most important factors in baseball it really is uh really worked on this offseason our nutritionist at the Padres she's helped me with everything I think right now I've lost 20 pounds this offseason wow um so just really learning how to just this past year learn how to fuel my body during the week before each start that's a huge factor and then just I don't know, just that first year, you just learn everything about yourself that you didn't know. Just on the field, you know, when my long toss days are, when I need to cut back my long toss, how far I need to go each day, percentages I need to go in my bullpen in between each start. And, uh, you know, that was just year one. I, I'm looking forward to what I'm going to learn this year and just ready to get going. So how do you track all that stuff? You're talking about how far to go each day and, and all of this. How do you How do you keep track of what you're doing from day to day? Uh, sometimes whenever like this year starting out, I'm starting like a new routine with my whole throwing program. So I'm going to start out through the year, just notebooking each day, how far I went, just days on when I think I need to get more air under the ball than throwing line drives, uh, how many throws I make the volume of them, uh, just tracking it on notebook, probably doing that all spring training, probably the first month of the year. And then hopefully by that time I'm so routine oriented with that part I'll, I'll know what i'm doing for every week you know that's one of the things about ac that is kind of known about him is like his job as a manager is not only to coach and manage the team but really show you guys how to become 
ball players and what it takes to be a ball player, setting up your routines. Did uh, how how helpful was he in kind of like guiding you in some of those uh, areas? Oh, he was awesome. Uh, AC at that level is was a perfect manager for me. I know just anything, anytime you had any questions, you know, you could just go to AC and he'd talk to you. If you were after the game, it's 10 o'clock, he'll stay there and talk to you until whenever you need to go home. Uh, he just, he was a really good manager for all of us. He taught us everything, taught us how to do our bills, everything. And, you know, very thankful for that. Very thankful to have him in my first full year. Um, even the college guys, he helped all of us out tremendously. Like if we couldn't have made it through the year without him. Now, who was your pitching coach in Fort Wayne? I don't, uh, Bert Hooten was, uh, was scheduled to be the, the pitching we coach. We had, we had four different pitching coaches throughout here. We had Matt Williams was our first one. And I think we would have been in Burlington, Iowa. So that would have been middle of July. And he got a, he took a job at Liberty University. Yeah as a pitching coach there. And then we had Steve lines, our assist, our, our assistant minor league pitching coordinator. He filled in and then Eric Jones filled in the pitching coordinator. And then we had Jose, we had Jose Cazado was our last one. Okay. He was, uh, the, I think he was one of the DSL pitching coaches. Maybe he filled in probably from the end of August or middle of August to the rest of the year. No relation to your teammate. No relation. <laughs> no relation. No, he's from Dominic. He's from the Dominican. Uh, Q's from Mexico. So, <clears throat> okay. So, have you had the Padres checked in on you? Obviously, they've, they've checked in on you. Have you met or heard from any of the other new coaches that have come onto the squad this year? Uh, I have not, but I know my dad was super excited about our pitching coach at the big league level, Larry Rothschild, because he had my dad when he was with the Marlins. So he was absolutely turning flips and doing everything he could. He's like super excited for me to be able to work with him, hopefully. Oh, I'm sure you're going to get plenty of time with him at spring training. Dude, why doesn't your dad get back in the game? I have two little sisters. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. And they, they're in – one's in seventh grade right now, so she's 13. And then my oldest and the younger sister just turned 16, so he's trying to make all their basketball games and all that. Right. I think oh, he man. told me whenever he get whenever they well, I think when he they ever get they get out of the house he's gonna try to get back into it. Uh, I don't know if he he'll want to do the minor league grind. He'll probably try to get a big league job right. somewhere. I don't know if he wants to do the minor league grind, <laughs> but we'll see. Man, two teenage daughters in the house. Man, he's gonna be worn out by the time the uh, the youngest is out of the house. They're gonna wear him uh, out. I think he, he I think he told me whenever I first got back home from instructs, he said. Thank God you got back. That's what he said because he had three. He had, it was him and three girls in the house. So outnumbered. So real quick, um, we have a lightning round coming up. But you know, have you set any goals for the upcoming season? Innings, strikeouts, or just want to stay healthy? Um, just really focusing on the day by day process. I think last year I looked ahead too much, and that hurt me. You got to take care of each day, day by day. That whatever that day brings, you have to take care of it. Uh, make each make each day your best work day. If you have a good work day Monday, make Tuesday better, make Wednesday better, and then when you get up to your start, you're going to be so ready for the start. That that's a good that that's, that's a good. I mean, you yeah. can't you can only control what you got right in front of you, right? So worrying, what do they say? If you're living in the past, then 
that that like that's well, depression. If you're living in the in the future, that's anxiety. So you got to stay in the present. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, if you have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you're pissing on today. So that's what we say. Oh, that's <laughs> right. good. Well, and so let's bring that in. Well, that's not a good segue. But you know, how much is faith really? You know, leaning on your faith with um with just work. You know, being in the moment, like staying in the moment. Uh, like like you said, that's what's presented in front of you at that moment. So you just have to take care of business uh, and handle everything like a professional. And if you start worrying about the future, like you said, you're going to get anxious for it. You're going to be ready for it. And it might not ever get there. Like you're just, you could be just ready for nothing because baseball is it's a day. It changes yeah. day by day. What they need changes day by day. And if you live in the past and you're doing bad or you're doing good, then you just, it's not going to work out for you. you. So you were talking about getting a full night's sleep um, and the, the travel can be tough. So in Fort Wayne, you've got some, some fairly long drives to some of your places and you, you play a night game and then you got to drive through the night. So was it a struggle getting good sleep while you were, uh, when you were on road trips? Uh, not really. Usually AC was really good with that. Um, you know, if like Bowling Green was the worst, if Bowling Green was a five and a half hour bus ride, well, every game there was 630 their time well, 730 our time. So we wouldn't be getting back until like 6 a.m., 530 a.m. Uh. So he would he would usually have a good like sh- like show up time. Like, I mean, I think when we got to the apartment, we just crashed as soon as we got there. But those days we might not get to the field until like 233 o'clock. We might have a show and go. So he was usually really good with that. Show and go more lingo. Show and go. So what's a show and go? Show and go is pretty much you might show up to the field at four thirty five o'clock, not even take BP. You're just ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> okay. Okay. So like an abbreviated, like a shortened pregame routine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You ready for lightning round? All right. Let's do it. Okay. Celebrity crush. Oh, um, Lily Reinhardt, uh, Betty Cooper off of Riverdale. Okay. Favorite player dad played with? Uh, uh, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Aaron Harang. Oh, how about that? Former Padre Aaron Harang. I saw him at the winter meetings. Okay, I, now I need to tell my story. I went. I played in the same little league as Aaron Harang. He's like two or three years older than me, so I, we were never in the same division, and he was always like the big kid that was really good, and I was always the little kid that sucked. But his dad and my dad umpired together, my dad umpired with his grandpa. His mom was the TA in my kindergarten class. So the Harang Damn. family and the Thomason family, we... So when he came and played for the Padres, that was super cool. That He's yeah. a local boy, done good, come back. Because he had a couple great years in Cincinnati. I think he led the league in strikeouts one year. Yeah, he was a beast. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm glad to hear that Aaron Harang made a good impression on you. He's a good guy. Uh, he's, all, he's awesome. Awesome I'm, dude. I'm kind of surprised you didn't go Griffey. Griffey was awesome, but Harangue would always mess with me twenty four seven. So I just I had to go with him. Well, that kind of leads me into the second one. So, uh, what player that your dad played with did you fear? Like was Um, was scary? Was scary? You know, that's honestly, honestly, none of them. They were all. They were just. I don't know. None of them. I don't know. It was just. It was just a lot of fun. Like they never. They never. I don't think one time I ever had any problems at the field. Like they all treated us awesome. All right. How about this? Uh, do you have any superstitions? I actually don't. I don't have any superstitions, I don't think. If you, Did, can... you don't ask for like a particular number or is there anything you like draw in the in the Fried dirt chicken. when you're getting on the mound or anything like that? 
Oh uh, no! I, between every pitch, I draw a cross on the back of the mound. Yeah, I draw 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 the cross, put the rosin in my hand, and then clean my cleats off. There it is. Okay, that's there. a good little routine. <laughs> if you could face any major league hitter in history, who would it be? Oh, Babe Ruth. Ah, yeah. <clears throat> Huddle House or Waffle House? Waffle House all day. Huddle House. What's Huddle House? Okay, so I've never guys, heard of Huddle House. So those of you who don't know, um, Huddle House and Waffle House are basically breakfast places. And it's the greasy spoon of greasy spoons. The food is fantastic. Um, you go there and there's just like, you know, I, I'm in food service. So you see this small little griddle and this guy puts out, man or woman, just puts out this, you know, everything on the flat top. And except for the pancake, you know, not pancake, except for the waffles. And it's just greasy spoon food. You go there, you walk out, you're full, your heart's full, but your belly is you're just, it's it's really, really. It's a belly bomb. It's a belly but, bomb. So is Huddle House a, a southern? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So Donovan, went, Donovan went to Tennessee this year. He's got family in Tennessee. Yeah. They were out there scouting some uh, minor league cities, thinking they might become a host family down the road. And my so and my brother lives in. Uh, they live in McKenzie. Maybe that's where you saw. Oh, that's over. Uh, that's uh, right by the Jackson Generals. Yeah, yeah. We actually the Diamondbacks, that boy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Willie Nelson or Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash. My granddad loved Johnny Cash. Got to go with Johnny Cash. Nice. Okay, In and Out or Five Guys. Five guys. In and out. In and out for, to me, I, it was so hyped up. And then I had it in Arizona. I was like, dang. Like, I was so let down. I was looking forward to best burger ever. And I was a little let down. I guess it was built up too much, maybe. Yeah. Well, if you eat five guys a lot, too. So, I mean, they have the peanuts there. We have five guys out here as well. You eat the peanuts, and then you have, you know, the, it's a really good burger. Both places are You, really you really like the peanuts. You keep talking about the peanuts. Every yeah. time Five Guys comes up, it's all about the peanuts. Well, it's, <laughs> it's free. They're free. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, we appreciate you taking the time with us. What a great interview. What a great time, man. I uh, I remember when you did come to the social the, the social summit, and you know you just got drafted. I, it was your first half season, and me and Roy were there. We're like we were asking all the questions, but you were just like, um, I don't know. You, you we were just you were a little quiet and. Um, yeah, but then he came back this year and, and the, another social summit, and it yeah. was a whole different version. It's like, it's like, it's like you'd grown up, you'd become comfortable in your skin in that year. Ba- ba- baseball, it forces you to have to talk. Like it forces you to open up to everybody. Like it forces you to talk. So, so is there anything that you want to plug? We talked a little bit before off mic um, that you wanted to maybe mention. Um. Uh, the Abigail's plan thing. Uh, there's a uh, Miracle Baseball League. It's a baseball league for special needs kids, disabled kids. It's a turf field, and they're always looking for stuff to add on to it, so that way the kids have other stuff to do. And uh, no, I think that's a really good league for all those kids. It gives them a chance to play a game that they might not could have without that. So I know it's a lot of fun for them, and it makes all of our hearts happy for them. I see that's in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. So their website is abigailsplan.org. Fantastic. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll come We'll come see you in spring training. We'll see you in spring training. All right. Thank you guys for having me on.